0: Hi, I'm Kieran. And I'm Ricky. Welcome back to Artificially Ever After, where today we're going to be discussing Deep Fake Real Problem. hello welcome back thank you for tuning in today we're gonna to be discussing uh quite a big topic the world of deep fakes which yeah I'm sure most of you will have come across that term and will have heard before but we're going to be unpacking it today talking about kind of all all sides of the conversation I know I was slightly reluctant to to record this episode just because it's quite a big uh kind of loaded topic and uh yeah we're just we're tackling it head-on though I think aren't we
1: yeah I mean it's got a bit of attention to media recently with
0: the Hollywood situation right? Yeah there's yeah there's lots of different recent topics that we're going to cover. Um, I know that the kind of initial boom of news around deepfakes started a couple of years ago now. I actually spoke to someone recently who was saying that they they kind of felt that in in terms of the media coverage it's kind of died down around deepfakes but hopefully today we'll, we'll show that you know deepfakes are actually on the rise. That is definitely not true that things are kind of on a decline so yeah let's let's get into it.
1: Yeah we're going to start off the episode talking about you know what are deep fakes we'll then kind of discuss the technology behind them how do you actually make them mm. and give a bit of historical context but we're going to bring back the good the bad the ugly segment yeah uh, which we used for chat and then we'll have a quick break we'll keep the fun fact segment
0: i'm gonna be trying to be a bit more fun with my fact this time like we'll see <laughs> yeah. how that goes yeah
1: and then after the break we're going to talk about how can how you can detect deep fakes mm. the legal social implications
0: and a bit of a glimpse of the future yeah looking ahead so yeah let's get into it so Riku should we just start by unpacking the term what is a deep fake let's go for
1: it so the deep in deep fake is directly from the algorithms that mm. make the deep fakes so that those are deep learning algorithms that we kind of touched on in the previous episode. Yeah, in our
0: first episode, we kind of covered that, didn't we? Yeah,
1: And it's a combination of these deep learning algorithms making content. So it's actually a result of generative AI technology.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about generative AI in episodes to come. And and we'll clarify later in this episode kind of what we mean by that and, and specifically uh, regarding deep fakes. But just to kind of give another term, which probably helps clarify... How it's different to just any generative AI that the U.S. Congress uh, referred to deepfakes as hyperrealistic digital forgeries. So I think we're going to try and just uh, focus specifically on where we have AI that's trying to kind of copy things and and produce unreal versions of real things. I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because we hear so much about generative AI in general, you know, creating art and things, but. We want to talk about the specific problems where your you know, online identity can get mm. stolen. And you know, previously, you know, we could probably trust a lot of text, but you know, we now know, you know text has getting, gotten taken away by GPT. Um, and you'd think that you can trust voices and videos and photos and things. But as we'll discuss today, those are also in question. You can't trust these types of media and whether they relate to something the actual person said.
0: So I guess that age-old adage of uh, "seeing is believing" is no longer true, or well, I guess we'll, we'll come to see whether it is or isn't. But is that an Elvis reference? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and just another thing to note as well, which hopefully we'll be able to convey this throughout the episode. But uh, I guess one of the kind of concerning things about deep fakes and and this whole topic, uh, and maybe why I was slightly reluctant to cover it, is is just that. Things are changing so quickly, you know, it's kind of almost weekly or, you know, definitely within the month, there's kind of new papers coming out and new technologies emerging, new examples of deepfake. So it's such a kind of rapidly evolving area that it's quite hard to kind of pin it down and, and focus on it. But we're going to hopefully just cover the fundamentals, you know, how the technology is working, do some demystifying um, and then talk about some kind of big examples of of deepfake um, use for bad and for good and some recent stuff as well.
1: And I'll just give you guys some quick-fire statistics just to show how you know, how sophisticated these technologies are. So one of the first uh, websites that uh, wanted to demonstrate the power of deepfakes is from Random Face Generator. And when they sampled just random people, 90% of them were deceived on the real versus deepfake images. Wow. And 50% of experienced photographers uh, got it wrong. So is clearly very good at deceiving humans. And it's not just photos. Also for audiophiles, we got some research from UCL found that humans are only able to detect artificially generated speech 73% of the time. So still, you know, it's easier to detect Mm. AI uh, voices than photos, but still not, not that great.
0: But in both cases, more people
1: are getting fooled than not, which is, I guess, quite concerning. And speaking about getting fooled, some people like getting fooled because you have these virtual influencers now who are doing really well. For example, Ludo Magalu, I think I'm saying that wrong, very sorry about that, boasts over 14 million followers on Facebook, 6 million followers on Instagram and 2.5 million YouTube subscribers.
0: Wow, and I'm, I imagine with that comes a lot of money and, and kind of subscriptions as well, so crazy to think that, you know, someone that's not real is generating that much attention and... uh also, they, they can't be offended by you mispronouncing their name. So That's, one of <laughs> that's a thing. really good
1: point. Yeah, well, that just shows just how good and sophisticated this technology is.
0: So before we go on uh, and to cover the applications, implications, some examples of deep fakes being used, we wanted to demystify the actual technology that's being used to generate these super realistic, convincing pieces of media. Um, and the way we're going to do that is cover the two main approaches. So there are kind of two AI technologies that are most commonly used. And the reason we wanted to cover both of them is that each of them is kind of used for generating different media types currently. There's one that's more commonly used for creating videos, one that's a bit more commonly used for photos. And hopefully in doing that, it should um, actually help you to be able to spot uh, when something has been deepfaked. So the first one that we're gonna cover um, is a technology that has produced a lot of deepfake content um, of individuals where their faces have been swapped onto uh, videos of other people. So you've probably seen lots of examples Examples of the application of this technology, and, and it's called an encoder-decoder. And the way that this works is that you run an AI that is trained uh, by looking at thousands and thousands of images or you know frames of videos of people with their faces in the frame, and this AI learns to take that person's face, compress it as if you were just kind of compress, you know, compressing a file on your computer. And then reconstruct that face into the exact same frame. So it basically the important part there is that it's learning to regenerate that person's face. Um, and it learns to do this for the same person for thousands and thousands of frames. And then what happens is we take a new video of someone doing a completely different activity, different person. And we take that same AI that's been trained to reconstruct, you know, let's say Donald Trump's face we're probably going to be talking about him a lot in this in this episode, but uh, it's been trained to reconstruct the features of Donald Trump's face. And then we take another video of someone running around naked um, that definitely isn't Donald Trump. And we have someone else's face in this video and we take that AI that's been trained to reconstruct Donald Trump's face, give it this new video, and it will kind of swap out the face of this other person very convincingly. Um, so I think the analogy there is that Um, You know, a human that's, let's say, very good at Photoshop and editing photos of people and their faces could theoretically do the same process of of kind of taking Donald Trump's face and mapping it and and kind of remorphing it onto someone else's body, but it would just take them a very long time. This encoder-decoder AI learns to do that over time by looking at thousands of instances of faces uh, and then can do it very, very quickly. And because it can do it super quickly, it can do that for all of the frames in a video and take uh, a video of someone else and map Donald Trump's face onto it.
1: And you can kind of intuit why an AI would be good for this task because, just like a human, but if, if you were to do that task thousands of times, you'll probably realize some quick kind of patterns in how to do the edit in the most convincing way mm. as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah. But then the second approach, uh, so this is kind of an approach. Which Probably being more commonly used now originally it was mainly used to just generate photos rather than videos But we're now seeing it being used primarily for deepfakes um, They are Mostly a lot more convincing than the encoder decoder approach. Um, so do you want to quickly explain this this other approach?
1: Yeah, this one's called GAN and it uh, stands for generative adversarial network and it's a pretty cool idea so you basically have two AIs in contests with each other, where one is the generator, so that's the generative part of GAM. Mm. And you can kind of imagine the generator's like, you know, the forger. And their task is to essentially look at a load of real faces and generate another real face. And then the adversarial, the discriminator, when you think of it as the detective, uh, learns to, it, it sees the forger's forged image and a real example and it needs to learn which one was fake and which one was real
0: Mm. so you can imagine you know because also that you know we're talking about just deep faking people's faces here but let's say it was kind of doing artwork as well and and we gave the detective loads of examples of the mona lisa like real photos of the painting and then we want this generator the forger to try and start producing new instances of the mona lisa um to start with it might just start drawing like a stick drawing or something or like some really bad example that looks absolutely nothing like it but iteratively over time it keeps going back and forth doesn't it between the the forger and the um detective and then it will get closer and closer to the the mona lisa
1: yeah gans are super interesting ai right now because they're really hard to train and because of this exact dynamic of you know the the forger gets better and then the detective gets better and that's the ideal situation but sometimes, you know, the forger gets way too good for the detective and then the detective's so bad it can never learn from its mistakes and Mm. then sometimes the detective's too good and then the kind of, the forger just kind of gives up but when it goes right, they kind of both improve together and then Mm. you end up with a really good forger because the detective got better
0: is also really good yeah so this technology has been around for a while i think some of these uh neural networks were first designed in the kind of early 2010s um and and since then we've seen deepfakes start to emerge haven't we ricky
1: yeah so it all started in 2017 on the social media platform called reddit and where this user on there was just posting deepfakes and just you know it was the first kind of uh, demonstration of the technology. Mm. And it kind of uh, it got a bit of attention. But deepfakes became much, a much bigger deal when people started making deepfakes of famous politicians saying things that they didn't say. So there's a really funny, well maybe funny, video of uh, Obama getting, Obama's deepfakes saying rude things about Donald Trump. Mm. A really big one was Mark Zuckerberg. Um, has a fake done on him where he was saying how he's going to control the world of all the data he possesses um things started getting a bit worrying in 2019 because technology such as deep nude came out where anyone could download this application to their computer and it would the deep nude was trained to remove clothes from women's photos and right. things so
0: and yeah um, we'll come on to this later when we kind of cover some of the bad and the ugly but yeah this is a huge problem one of the main kind of issues with deepfakes at the moment but um, one of the ones I remember myself I think this was probably the first instance when deepfakes were getting convincing enough that that I kind of remember seeing something and shared it myself and was like fully tricked which was um, I don't know if some of you have seen it it was a photo of uh, the Pope Pope Francis in wearing this big kind of designer puffer jacket. Um, so if you Google Pope in a puffer jacket, um, you'll, you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. So I think another thing here, as well as well as the actual photo looking convincing, it's nothing like that's too outrageous that would have made me doubt it. It was just kind of funny, to, you know, seeing the Pope wearing something like this. So I think that's another thing that's been developing along with the technology are people's skills with, with using them and, and telling convincing stories along with these deep fakes.
1: So we already have really good deep fake technology pre-2020s and now we're finally starting to get social media and government starting to actually take action and make some systems to you know detect deep fakes and how to regulate these these issues.
0: Mm. But before we get onto that I think just to convey um, you know some of the the bad and the ugly sides to deep fakes and maybe tell some stories about how they're being used and misleading people around the world. We just wanted to cover some examples of you know both sides of the spectrums, and and then we could start to cover how governments and and corporations are starting to try and tackle them. And there's a whole range of of different ways that people are getting creative with uh, using this technology, from scamming people to uh, propaganda, you know, trying to influence politics. Um, so just to kind of list some pretty high profile examples, and some cases when things have gone really badly wrong um so in 2019 i think uh this was one of the first examples of a big scam that was kind of pulled off using deep fake technology and the chief of a uk subsidiary of a german energy firm was tricked into paying nearly a quarter of a million euros into a Hungarian bank account after being phoned uh, by a fraudster who was mimicking the German CEO's voice. So basically his boss, they used a deep fake of his voice and called this guy in the UK and managed to get him to transfer this huge sum of money uh, into a bank account of these scammers. Uh, And, you know, that was the first big uh, example of that. However, in 2020, Something went even more wrong, which was where um, very similar scenario again, but uh, it was a manager of a Japanese company uh, based in Hong Kong, again received a phone call. It was a voice that this person recognized. Uh, it was the director of the parent business, and basically told this elaborate story using a deep fake of, of the person's voice, um, that the company had basically made uh, an acquisition, and they therefore needed to authorize a transfer of 35 million dollars. Wow. which completed, um, I think they the authorities went on to kind of capture some of these people and get some of the money back. But yeah, that was a very big scam that obviously was facilitated entirely by deepfake technology. Uh, and then, you know, some political things as well. So um, very, very recently, there was some uh, deepfake images of Donald Trump being arrested. And it kind of depicted these scenes of him being chased by the police, uh, fought to the ground, kind of yelling, resisting arrest, that looked very convincing, you know, looked like Donald Trump, looked like a real scene. Um, and these were shared around by news platforms, people on social media. I think most of the mainstream platforms were mentioning that it was deepfaked AI. Uh, however, there were there were other platforms that shared this, and it was a much more subtle reference to it being a deepfake. Um, so I think lots of people might have seen these images at the time and thought that, you know, Donald Trump had been arrested. Um, And this, you know, we're going to touch on this later, but this starts to raise this big kind of concern and issue with being able to generate images in this way and and create um, visual evidence of scenes that haven't actually happened, which is the kind of boy who cried wolf scenario. So, you know, now millions of people have seen these images of Donald Trump being arrested. So if that were ever to actually happen and those real scenes were to occur and people got photos there would be kind of huge distrust there um, and, you know, might be a big letdown to some people that had already seen those images and, and wouldn't be as kind of shocked when they scroll past it or or may just scroll past it thinking it's a deep fake again. So this kind of blurring of the line between reality, you know, fact and fiction is one of the huge, um, very imminent concerns with generative AI that we'll, we'll touch on later.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about the kind of manipulative and the potential mis- misinformation of this technology, but like they're just leveraging the absolute dominance of social media yeah, in these days.
0: I know, it's a very concerning state. And just one last uh, doom and gloomy one before we get onto the good. In 2020, there was a, a child custody case in the UK uh, where one of the parents submitted uh, quote-unquote evidence of a phone call recording of the other parents speaking abusively about the child. Um, and it was only later on in the trial after things had progressed uh, that there was some forensic evidence that showed that this was actually a deep fake. And that phone call never actually happened. So, uh, you know, this is another really concerning aspect of this that governments and lawmaking is just not equipped yet for this type of uh, attack that can happen from generative AI. Wow. Well, so it's it's really just like completely
1: eroding trust on mm. any on a digital platform. Really, the kind of like most intuitive ways to identify people online, you know, how they look, how they sound, are mm. uh, just completely in question now. So back to what
0: we said at the start, you know, seeing is no longer believing. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on,
1: we can talk about some really there are some really good stuff that comes out of this technology as well. So one that really stuck out to me was for people with neurological disorders such as ALS who can end up losing their voice. Patients can now recover their voice using deep fake technology mm. by feeding these AIs old audio clips of the patient in question and the AI can learn to understand how to generate their voice for new text
0: yeah i saw this one company that you know for people with kind of neurodegenerative disorders when they know they're declining sadly to the point where they will eventually lose their voice can have people come into their homes or, or um, care settings where they record them saying lots of different phrases and words and it can just generate a complete uh, digital version of their voice that they then use so almost like stephen hawkins but uh in his own voice, rather than a computerized voice.
1: Wow! Yeah. And another really fascinating application of these deepfakes was for you know super famous people like David Beckham. They used deepfakes to increase ma- awareness for malaria. So they had kind of like an advert of him speaking in English, you know, raising awareness for malaria. But then they could use deepfake technology to. Have him talk in, I think it was 27 different languages, all in the voice
0: of David Beckham Mm. talking about deepfakes. So rather than just reading subtitles, you know, they see a much more convincing, engaging version of him speaking their language. Exactly,
1: yeah. There was another cool one about um, challenging gender bias in football. So people typically have a more negative sentiment towards female football than male football. And to challenge this, what they did was they had a load of clips of footage from female football games and they used deepfakes technology to map male faces onto the females oh, you wow. know bodies and basically just like replace the female you know bodies with male bodies and people enjoyed the game more and then afterwards they were told oh by the way you just watched wow. you know football uh, women's football
0: so hopefully breaking down that kind of stereotype and, and stigma
1: yeah exactly and they were oh wow i just was completely prejudice because Mm.
0: and one final example that i'd seen uh, to sort of go back to your your example of david beckham and swapping his voice out was within the entertainment industry so you know imagine all of this content that's being produced and made in english uh, you know in kind of western countries and rather than everyone else in the rest of the world if they want to consume that media having to read subtitles the whole time or listen to some really bad dubbing they can watch all of that content, but you've used kind of deep fakes to translate all of the actors' voices in very naturally into the languages that all those other people speak. So um, just have this much more enjoyable, engaging, entertaining content um, that's accessible to so many more people now.
1: However, there's kind of an ugly truth to the situation, although, you know, we've just kind of listed some good and, good and bad, or the, there's kind of like an overwhelming majority of
0: how this technology is being used? So there was an organization that did this kind of very large study in America. Um, They performed the same study back in 2019. And there's been a recent one that's come out this year in 2023, um, where they basically analyzed um, 85 dedicated channels um, for deepfake content uh, across over 100 different websites. Um, And one thing to note initially was uh, the prevalence of deepfakes, which I think... I mentioned this at the start of this episode that maybe coverage of this stuff has kind of dialed down and people think it's maybe plateauing as an issue. But this study basically found that since 2019, there's been a 550% increase in deepfake content, which was nearly 100,000 deepfake videos that were found online across these 100 plus websites. Yes. And
1: very concerningly, 98% of all deepfake videos online are related to pornography.
0: Wow. Wow. That is a very large, nearly, n- nearly all of it, basically. Yeah. Um, and 99% of those pornographic videos were sadly targeting women entirely. And of those women which are being targeted in these videos, uh, we see a trend in this study that m- the majority of them are f- uh, famous people from the w- entertainment industry, so singers, actors, um, uh, and therefore, you know, this kind of content is being created of them definitely without consent.
1: And now that AI is so much more accessible and things are you know cheaper and quicker, it takes less than 25 minutes and costs not even a dollar to make a 60-second deepfake mm. uh, pornographic video of anyone just with one image with their face wow so i guess that's kind of the ugly truth that that looks more about the balance between these good and bad uses of this technology and sadly it's overwhelmingly on the on the bad side of things
0: it is sadly yeah um so but now to cut through a bit of the doom and gloom we're going to do our fun fact segment, and then hopefully come back uh and inspire us a bit more with ways that people are looking to try and tackle these and, and fight this uh growing amount of deepfake content so fun fact time
1: yeah welcome back I have slightly longer fun fact than normal, but not a lot longer. Um, Maybe some of you have heard of this already. This guy called Jack Wilmot spent a week in the future. So he strapped this kind of VR headset to his face for a whole week and kind of showered, ate and slept essentially, you know, minimally uh, with it on as much as possible. Wow. And yeah, I mean, it sounds... I don't know if that sounds appealing or not. He was kind of battling dragons and boxing with Rocky and stuff. Um, He could still answer his emails and things in in the virtual world. So um, all that software was there. Um, But he found that kind of the... The lack of natural day and night and stuff like that was, like, the most difficult thing. Yeah, I'm not surprised. He felt super productive by the end of it, but he said at the end of it, he never appreciated the smell of fresh air.
0: Oh, wow, yeah. I definitely would not want to try that. Um, Cool. So, my fact, um, it's a little bit on the gross side, maybe. So, uh, this is about uh, an AI-powered robot vacuum cleaner. So, the Rumba, uh, which you may have heard of. Um, There was these... uh, homeowners who had just bought a rumba and they had also just um, got a new puppy and very sadly after they'd gone to bed the uh, puppy as they tend to do took a poo on the floor and the rumba being the kind of AI that it was with one specific goal to just clean the house wasn't equipped to uh, do anything with that dog poo and it basically uh, these homeowners woke up the next morning and found their whole uh, house basically was completely smeared in this dog poo. Um, So I think this is a good example of of when AI just has like one specific task and it can't reason outside that task. So yeah, that was my fun, slightly gross fact. Do you think dog poo was in the training data set? I do not. Well, evidently not. So
1: (laughs) cool. Back to the episode. Hello, welcome back. So we're just going to move on to talk about how to detect deep fakes. Mm. And as we mentioned before, in the in kind of the timeline of things, um, deepfake technology generating deepfakes got very convincing by you know 2019, mm. and from 2020 we started to see like governments and you know products used to you know, actually detect these you know very harmful objects. So yeah, there's loads of there's been a lot of work recently on detecting deepfakes, and and they kind of related to what we spoke about before with the GAN. So uh, when when you make it, you know, the algorithm to make a deep fake uses this, you know, forger and the detective. Well, as we can imagine, if the detective's good, then you get good forger. But the good news is, if the detective's good, you can use it to detect a mm. deep fake. So a lot of methods now basically use these um, GANs to make deep fake data and then. Because you've made the data yourself, you know which one's real and which one's not real, and then you use that data set to train another AI to differentiate between them. Yeah. And so so that's kind of been using in academia and we've seen some stuff in industry as well
0: yeah some companies as well that are coming out with tools now uh, i think intel uh, recently introduced their it was a real-time deepfake fake detector they claim to have 90 accuracy 96 accuracy for detecting deepfake videos um, but there have been other reports that show you know on real world applications it's not as good as that but there's a really interesting application that's slightly different from the Um, using this sort of detective approach, which is looking for like specific telltale signs for people being deep faked in particular. So this Intel one uh, actually tries to detect from the pixels um, like blood flow in people. So I think it's looking at kind of like color changes and stuff within the video pixels. um, Yeah, to to try and detect whether that matches the the face and stuff. So it's crazy work being done. um, But, you know, I don't think there's any... Kind of go to method at the moment just to apply to any video or photo that can detect them, but there's lots of work and progress being done, isn't there? There's this other thing uh, with kind of watermarking, right?
1: Yeah, there's this other cool cool idea that um, they kind of called it radioactive data, but it's a bit like when you see an image on Google Images and then bottom left or right corner will be like, you know, um, a watermark. So, you know, if when you copy and paste it and put it into your PowerPoint presentation, yeah, I hate that. You, know, you, you always have to crop around it, but um, imagine that, but they obviously don't want to, you don't want to obscure the image and reduce the quality of the image. Mm. So they developed this technique so that you can watermark an image, but human eyes can't detect it because it's this like super subtle random kind of filter on top of the image that mm. we can't tell. But to an AI, it's really obvious that there is a watermark. So when a deep fake is done using that image, you can really easily detect it by tracing this this filter
0: yeah i think that's one of the benefits of the fact that we're so used to seeing like really high resolution images now and, and kind of computer screens that are a much higher resolution to what like the human eye can see so it, you know we're able to within the very large number of pixels and and kind of binary data that encodes an image to kind of hide this noise that the computer can see but then to our like the resolution of our eye it you know appears the same yeah, but speaking of human eyes, mm. how can you detect deep fakes? That is a good question. Yeah, we put some points on here. So currently, and again, with how quickly everything's changing, these might not be relevant for long, but for now we've got some points for some like telltale signs uh, in sort of deep fake images and videos. Uh, and I think some of these are relevant to uh, the GAN approach and some of them are relevant to re- with the face swapping, which is why we kind of covered that early on. Yeah. So kicking off, I'm not sure if any of you have done this, but I
1: remember playing around Photoshop as a kid and like trying really hard to edit edit a photo where it wasn't obvious that the background was like kind of shifting. Well, you can imagine the exact same thing kind of happens when when an AI does this, you know, super fast automatic Photoshop. So if things seem blurry or obscure, and I kind of look for you know problems with texture in the skin and hair, particularly like on the edges of things. A lot of the time, if the deepfake isn't a perfect one, that's where you find it.
0: And yeah, I think on that same point, um, when we have these face swapping algorithms, you can often see some signs of the lighting uh, in the reflection of people's eyes being like very different. So you know, it might not match the kind of environment that the rest of their bodies in. Uh, one of the funny ones which uh, started to see crop up with specifically with generating images from scratch with these GAN networks, rather than the kind of swapping of, of actual videos. Uh, is that for some reason, these generative AI tools do a really bad job currently at generating people's hands. Um, So yeah, one telltale sign is uh, if you see people like missing a finger, or they've got an extra finger, or, you know, they've got one giant finger and a few smaller ones. So yeah, that's one. Again, I don't think there's much of a consensus as to why this happens maybe it's just the intricacies of of the the, the human hand but yeah hands is one to, yeah. to try and spot
1: well the, the weird thing about the hands is that it draws really accurate like kind of shapes of fingers and like mm. it is clearly learnt really well what a hand the features of a hand yeah. but it doesn't seem to have learnt the logic that humans have five of these things yeah it's
0: just not very really good at counting off how many fingers that we have and it was never trained to you know count how many exactly we yeah have, but yeah And lastly, just sort of an obvious one is just to triple check the source basically. So where has that image or video come from? One cool thing that you can do, which I think journalists use a fair amount, is um, basically re- reverse image searching using Google. So you can actually do a Google image search, but instead of searching for something using text, you can give it an image file. So if you had an image that you're unsure whether it was a deepfake or not, you can actually upload that image to Google image search uh, and hopefully find the source where it came from, maybe if there were some articles saying that that was a deepfake or something. So that's that's a tool that I think is probably being used more than than it has previously so I think the approach currently for tackling deepfakes um, is kind of two prongs so obviously we've got the technological side that we just spoke about so you know researchers trying to develop tools to to detect the deepfakes but then there's also the uh, legislative side so lots of governments now are very conscious of the kind of problem of deepfakes and are trying to catch up and and put in laws in in place to to help mitigate them.
1: Yeah, one of the ways they're doing that is kind of putting some pressure on the people actually posting content and Mm. uh, kind of uh, the first uh, government to start regulating this was actually China. Mm. And they kind of require, they do require all deep fake content to be clearly labeled.
0: So basically yeah. a little
1: flag, self-flag, say, by the way, you know, this image I'm using is a deep fake.
0: Yeah, and it's a crime then to share that stuff without kind of stating it. I think the only thing with that, obviously, is, you know, Ch- China being a sort of surveillance state is probably much easier to kind of control that, which is yeah. maybe why that approach hasn't been as uh, swiftly implemented in, in other countries. Yeah,
1: exactly. So e- the EU are trying to do the same, but it seems like they're having this difficulty where it's, maybe it's not as easy to you know, yeah content
0: yeah there are basically lots of kind of uh individual rights that have to be maintained and and therefore kind of exclude people from having to state when they've uh generated it by deepfakes and kind of just encourage it
1: but in the uk we've got some positive legislation getting put in place so there's a new recent safety bill that will criminalize the sharing of deepfakes of intimate images Mm. But we've also got in Virginia, there's now law just saying it's outright crime in the same way to sharing deep fakes.
0: Yeah. So trying to tackle it from both kind of generating these piece of content and then also sharing it as well now is becoming a crime. And then obviously, you know, as much as kind of governments can put these laws in place, um, you know, all of this stuff is primarily being shared on, on social media platforms as well. So um, some of the big uh, media companies are also trying to reduce and and discourage this so i think youtube is now actively trying to moderate uh, any generated content that could cause misharm or, or mislead people i think you mentioned as meta doing the same yeah so meta following it with
1: instagram and like reddit all have community guidelines where you can't post mm deep fakes without explicitly saying
0: right and just to lastly touch on um a, again a very recent example of of an industry now that is kind of very conscious of the encroaching of ai and and how quickly it could potentially take jobs if people aren't careful uh, is in hollywood and in the entertainment industry again um so it was the longest strike in hollywood's history which lasted 118 days and ended just in november um, which basically, the sticking point of, the, of this strike, there was a load of different topics covered, but it was mainly about the encroachment of AI um, from all different angles within the industry. So, uh, AI being used, generative AI being used to write scripts. Um, there was concern of technical jobs as well, like kind of color grading of videos that could potentially be taken. But there was a very. Um, pressing issue of, of deep fakes of actors that was again a, a big sticking point and basically one, one of the main uh, disputes that we saw was between the the Screen Actors Guild uh, along with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers um, whereby the pro- producers essentially wanted to pay some of the kind of top actors a one-off fee to create digital scans of their faces and their bodies that they could then reuse um, within content uh, over and over again without paying them for the kind of preceding uses, and also use it after they died. So unsurprisingly, this was uh, of concern to actors, and, and there was a big kind of dispute over this. And I think in the end, the settlement was that uh, actors would be compensated for the reuse of the scans. Um, but, you know, it's very interesting with Hollywood that this is a, an industry now that is kind of very conscious and unaware that AI is around the corner for them. And specifically deepfakes as well being used to replace actors uh, in content creation, and and how you know people could be out of jobs, and and we have more and more automation in in all different aspects of this industry. Wow! So you're saying there could be one more Daniel Craig, James Bond? True. I hope so. So obviously that's an example in, in Hollywood and in the entertainment industry. But I think we just wanted to end with looking forward slightly and, and seeing you know where the state of the art of this technology is progressing because a lot more sectors and industries uh, will be affected and i think the prevalence of deep fakes will just be increasing for years to come and and stuff is going to change quite significantly in the next few years
1: yeah because the methods we're talking about earlier that drive the production of these deep fakes you'll find with the current state of the art if it's long form video you still require an original video to map the the kind of targets face onto Mm. whereas the, the, the current state of the art of Producing an entirely new video from just like a text prompt, you know, generate this scene. Right now, those purely synthetic videos only last up to about four seconds.
0: Mm. So, like we were saying earlier, you know, I think the the GAN network, which we mentioned, is mainly for generating new images, right? And and then uh, if, uh, like you said, for longer form videos of, of famous people speaking, it's just this face swapping approach currently. But you know, in a few years' time, this is bound to change and there are already uh, companies that are releasing tools where you can, like you said, put in a text prompt uh, of Donald Trump riding a unicorn uh, and it can currently create a very short video of that. But you, know, you can imagine in not a very long amount of time, this will develop to being able to create as long a video as you want from a text prompt of anything that has never been filmed before. Yeah, and I came across some software that Kind of was was the
1: midpoint of that where you can write in a text prompt like write me a a video selling Amsterdam you know why should I go to Amsterdam and it generates a script and managed to pull together videos from its training data and edits it in a way that makes a long form video that's entirely generated by AI.
0: Yeah, and I think with the advancement of these technologies and the fact that that's going to become increasingly easy to do that to just sit kind of by your computer. And generate as you know a scene or a short film about anything that you could imagine you could guess that there's a kind of decline in wanting to go out and and film or or the long kind of arduous process of getting that footage manually Um, and that's kind of been reflected by some statistics that have been released so Europol the the agency basically released a report uh, where they estimated that by 2026 as much as 90% of new online content will be synthetically generated so I think that ties into that notion that it's just so much easier when these tools get better to just generate the images rather than kind of manually curate them uh, which is a a scary statistic so I think you know with these detection tools coming out and then uh, you know I think we touched on some individual responsibilities to help try and protect people as well right yeah because i guess the reality
1: is that this technology is getting so much better mm. and there's not a lot we can do to stop the technology getting better but we can of course increase our own awareness educate ourselves about this technology and tell
0: our friends our family these these tricks we were talking about earlier how to detect it mm. and i think just an awareness as well right so i put on there like critical consumption of media so rather than taking things you see now as kind of the ground truth or just fundamental fact you know be slightly critical look where that sort of that piece of media has come from what's the source so without going you know overly critical and and having like general distrust in online content you know it's (laughs) obviously about striking this balance which is tricky um i think it will take us time to to find that but you know really kind of fact-checking things especially before you go on to share those to kind of friends and family as well
1: yeah because and especially kind of keeping an open mind about things like not necessarily being suspicious of everything Mm. but um there's been a lot of studies on echo chambers and things and and there's a there's a real hot spot for um these kind of deep fake fake news kind of things where um the fake news that are you know directed to your favorite content um, is 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 the most likely to convince you.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and also, you know, like we were spoke, speaking about earlier, that it's a very important time in, in governments and, and setting legislation as well and policy. So, you know, if you can look into that in your local government, you know, what's going on, how are they looking to tackle the rise of deepfakes to see, you know, see if you can get in, involved and support policies that help mitigate that.
1: Yeah, so hopefully that demystifies kind of what deepfakes are, how they're made, mm. you know, where where things are going, how they're
0: being used. Yeah, hopefully we we covered uh, a very big topic there in a, in a short amount of time, but um, we could definitely come back to this, see how things are changing um, in the future. But to tease our next episode before we leave, it's going to be the one-to-one AI versus human yeah just so covering uh specifically i think we wanted to focus on some of the areas that ai is still worse than humans um and some of the things that it's bad at so hopefully a bit refreshing yeah uh, where it
1: falls short <laughs> yeah we're well, thinking that there's a lot of uh fear mongering about ai and there's there's actually some really fundamental things that us humans are, are so much better than ai yeah AI at, and we want to cover
0: those so yeah thanks again for listening and we'll, we'll see, see you, you next time, time.